we could sum up our last two messages in the book of Mark, we probably could summarize them in a simple two-word phrase. Listen up. Listen up. Jesus is explaining this when he gives his first parable recorded here in Mark chapter 4, the parable that we call the parable of the sower. You could call it the parable of the soil or the parable of the seed. Whichever one, Jesus ends that parable with saying, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I'm looking around at a lot of people here today who have ears. At least I think you do. It doesn't always appear that way in the middle of my sermon, but I trust that you do indeed have ears. If any man have ears, well, who does that encompass? I presume all of us are raising our hand and saying, I have ears. And Jesus is saying, let that person, all of us, hear. If you have ears to hear, then hear. The idea is that if it's not just about receiving ears, that's notes that strike your eardrum physically. It's about having truth strike the heart. It's not enough to have truth come in one ear and out the other ear. It is for truth to come in one ear and sink down into your heart and into your mind. Jesus is saying, listen up. And we heard this again last week when we looked in more depth at the parable of the soils. Jesus says, it's the same sower that sows the seed. And it's the exact same seed. There's nothing magical about the seed. Thank you, Ben. There's nothing magic about this picture of of seed being cast into soils. What is different is the soils themselves, and particularly whether there is any obstacle in those soils to the seed going down, taking root, and bearing fruit. Seed does what seed does. It produces fruit. The problem is if we have hindrances, obstacles, in our listening ear and our receiving heart. Jesus is telling them again, listen up. Don't just hear with your ears, hear with your mind, hear with your heart. Initially, I was planning on moving on in this series to verse number 26, talking about the, another parable of seed going down into the ground and springing up and producing fruit. But then I realized that these verses that Kevin read for us today, these five verses we need to pay attention to because they summarize everything that Jesus has been telling us so far. They summarize not only what Jesus has been telling us, but will be an essential principle for the way you and I receive spiritual truth today in this sermon. And tomorrow, when you open your Bibles and begin to read, and next week when you read a book, a devotional book, or you hear another sermon preached, this is the fundamental principle that you and I need to embrace and understand if you want to grow in your spiritual life. The title of the message this morning is A Kingdom Law for Listeners. 
a kingdom law for listeners. And the unstated subtitle of our message today, throughout all of it, will be simply this. Listen up. Listen up. Now, let's start, if you have your Bibles with us this morning, in whatever form you have it, I encourage you to look at verse 21. That's where we're going to start here. The context, as we've already seen, is Jesus is speaking to his crowd in parables. And those parables confuse and drive away those with hard hearts who don't care to hear. See, I don't understand what Jesus said in that parable, but I frankly, I don't care. And off they went, and it was a judgment against them. But others heard Jesus' parable, and they didn't understand, but they came to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, tell us what that means. So these parables sifted. They pushed away some intentionally as a judgment of God, and they drew and attracted others as a blessing of God, of God's grace. And now Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's explained the parables to them. And now look with me at verse number 21. And he said unto them, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested or revealed. Neither was anything kept secret, private, but that it should come abroad or that it should be public. Nothing private that won't become public. Now, the first point that we're going to talk about here from these two verses is kingdom light. That's our first point today, kingdom light. Now, what is Jesus saying in these two verses, in this mini parable? Now, many different interpretations have been given in this, if you look even at conservative, solid commentaries. But I think what's important to look at is the context to understand what Jesus is saying. Let's start with that very first phrase. Is a candle, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel? Now, what is Jesus saying? Now, if you have in your mind those candles that you have in your house, you're already off on the wrong foot. The kind of candles that we have, the paraffin wax candles, didn't come until 1,800 plus years after Jesus said this. They had have no idea what those candles were. Now, there were candles across the ages that were dipped in things like animal fat, like beeswax. There were kinds of candles, but this isn't what Jesus is talking about. The word here simply means a lamp, something on which something else is burnt. Now, in Jesus' day, the common way that your house was lit that you had light for your daily activities when the sun was not up were one of these oil lamps. Now, if you could have a picture of this, if we had a screen, I'd just put it up there. But the, probably the best thing to think of is Aladdin's lamp. Just think of Aladdin's lamp. You've got a little bowl that you put olive oil in. And then you've got a spigot coming out from that. And on the end of it is going to be perhaps a little narrowing, and you're going to put the wick there. Now, if you have any questions about this, Eric is going to draw it for us this morning. Eric, he always loves to give me good, really good pictures of what I do. So just go ask Eric, and he'll draw it out for you, and it'll be perfect. So you've got a bowl of olive oil. You've got a spigot that leads to a wick, and you light the wick. 
and the wick receives oil from the bowl, and that's how it's it's how it is lit and how the flame remains. So just have that picture. It's like Aladdin's lamp. Now Jesus says, do you take that oil lamp and do you put it under a basket? The obvious answer is, of course you don't. I mean, to put this in modern terms, imagine that you're designing your own house and you're designing some place that you want to live and you're talking to the architect and you say, the architect says, here's the bedroom right here, it's great. And you say, okay, well, where's the light going to be in the bedroom? He says, I've got it perfectly. It's going to be in your dresser drawer. Yeah, and the other one is going to be under the bedside table. It's perfect. And in case we need any other light, I'm going to put it in the bedroom closet behind the closed door. You're going to have all the light you need. You'd fire him and you'd hire Luke. Well, that's what you should have done anyway. You should have hired Luke anyway. But regardless of that, you get the picture. It doesn't make any sense to have light that is intended to reveal things and hide it where it cannot reveal anything. Now, what does this mean? What's the lamp? What is the context of this? Do you remember where we were, well, three weeks ago, but two messages ago, when we talked about the beginning of Mark chapter 4? Remember what Jesus said about parables in verse 11. Look back to verse 11. He said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. It's going to be revealed to you. But unto them that are without, on the outside, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand. What were the parables? The parables were a little bit like light that had a basket over it. A basket over it that those who were hardened in their heart would say, I don't see anything, and they'd wander away. But those who heard the words of Jesus and said, there's light under there. There has to be. I know this man. He came to give me truth. They come to him and they say, Jesus, take the basket off the light, will you? We want to see. And Jesus would say, okay, here you go. This is a little bit like the parable itself. And I think what Jesus is saying here in this parable, in context of everything we've been looking for, is saying, my truth isn't always going to be under a basket. I came to set my truth on a candlestick for everyone to see. Now imagine his disciples as they were there and the truth was being revealed to them. The light was shining on them. They were getting it. What about you and me? Are we in any different position? Well, do you remember what Jesus said in John chapter 16? He said, I'm going to leave You're not going to have my direct teaching anymore from my mouth. He said, but it's going to be even better for you because who's going to come in my place? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to lead you, is going to guide you into how much truth? All truth. What is Jesus saying? My light, the Holy Spirit is not going to put under a basket. He's going to put it high on a candlestick, and it's going to brighten up your whole house if you let it. Friends, where is the word of the Holy Spirit revealed to us? Where is the light that is on a candlestick today? It's in this book. 
the Holy Spirit inspired the words of this book so that God's word, Jesus' truth, the mysteries of the kingdom would not be under a basket for you. They would be shining radiantly to everyone who opens this book with a humble heart that's ready to receive it. Jesus is saying, my words didn't come to be hid. My words came to be revealed. They came to be opened. Now, there's another view of this that ties it to Jesus calling himself the light of the world. And we could make that application as well. Because what are the words that Jesus came to reveal? Who are they about? Himself. The ultimate truth of the kingdom of God is that Jesus is the king and he is the only way to God and all of us will bow our knees before him one day. Those truths are simple. They have been revealed through the word of God, proclaimed and broadcast by the spirit of God and they are ready to be received by anyone who has ears to hear. Jesus says there's kingdom light that's available in the teaching of my word. Now let's see secondly, not just this kingdom light in verse 21 and 22 and then 23, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is again encouraging teaching and reception of his words. Notice verse 24. And he said unto them, take heed what you hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. The second thing that we need to see here is not just kingdom light, but a kingdom law. A kingdom law. What we said in our title, a kingdom law for listeners. Let's start with that first command in verse 24. He said unto them, notice, take heed what you hear. Take heed. That word there, it'll help us if we realize that word take heed means literally to see. To see. To see with perception. To see with understanding. In other words, literally translated, it would be see what you hear. Perceive what you hear. Pay attention so that you understand what you hear. He's not just saying, listen. He's saying, understand. Get it. Look at it. Study it. Receive it with understanding. You say, why does this matter? Listen to what Spurgeon said. It is a very different thing to have an impression on the drum of the ear and to have an impression on the tablet of the heart. You see, that's what we've been saying. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is commanding us, pay attention to what you hear so you can see it. You can perceive it. You can understand it. Now, that fits everything that Jesus has already been saying. So let's go with what comes next. Take heed what you hear. Why? Because with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. Now, let's start with that first phrase. With what measure you meet, 
it will be measured to you. Now that word, M-E-T-E, in your King James Version, that's not a word we use very often. He's not talking about meeting like, nice to meet you. It'll help us if, again, we just understand what he's saying. The Greek word there that's translated meet, M-E-T-E, is actually just the verb form of the word measure. The measure that you measure will be measured to you again. Now, we do that all the time, right? The run that I ran. The run that I ran. The noun and a verb. The measure that you measure, that same measure will be measured to you again. In other words, this is the law of reciprocity. The law of Exchange. Now, if you've ever heard the word reciprocity, you may have heard it in the context of going to college. The University of Minnesota has reciprocity with Wisconsin, South Dakota, North Dakota, and Manitoba. And what reciprocity means is that people who grow up in Minnesota pay less to go to the University of Minnesota than if you came from out of state. But if you grew up in Wisconsin, you can come to the University of Minnesota and pay in-state tuition. Well, why does Minnesota do that? Because guess who else does that? Wisconsin, North Dakota, South Dakota, If you come into my state and go to my school, we will reciprocate. And anyone who comes from my state to yours, you'll do the same thing. In other words, reciprocity just means a mutual exchange. What you give, you get. What you give, you get. Now think about this in the context of listening. Jesus is saying, take heed what you hear. See what you hear. Perceive what you hear. Understand and embrace what you hear. Why? Because the exact measure you bring in listening is the exact same measure you're going to get back. Now, I brought something that may help us here. These are measuring bowls. What do you use a measuring bowl for? You use a measuring bowl to measure. This one holds about eight cups. This one holds one cup. And if you could just picture it like this, every time you come to hear God's word preached or taught, every time you open the Bible to read it, you are bringing a measuring bowl. Maybe you're really distracted. And you don't have much time. And you need to just check the box and get it done for the day. And you show up before God with a one-cup measuring bowl. What do you think God's going to give you? He's going to give you exactly what you brought to him. And there are other times when we bring a lot bigger measuring bowl. Take heed what you hear. We say, okay. I'll take heed what I hear. God, I'm coming to you with this much today. And God delights in saying, okay, I'll fill it up. It is a mutual exchange. Jesus is saying, how much are you going to bring to the listening of my truth? That's how much you're going to get. 
And if you come with something far less, do not be surprised when you receive something far less. Friends, we could put it like this. You receive the amount of truth, the amount of spiritual light, the amount of spiritual profit that you bring to God. That's how much. And you shouldn't expect to receive any more than you bring. Now, step back for just a moment. Why would you expect to receive something else? Why would you expect to come to God with this much attention and say, God, I'm expecting this much profit? Is that logical? Is that reasonable? No, it's not. God is saying, you come to me with the measure that I will fill up. Now, notice what also Jesus says. With what measure you meet or measure, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. In other words, he's not just talking about an exchange. He's actually talking about a progression. What kind of progression? He says, if you bring this much, I'm going to fill up this much. And if you hear this much, I'm going to give you more. I am going to overflow your measuring bowl. And hopefully, your measuring bowl is going to grow. And it's going to get bigger, and it's going to get bigger, and it's going to get bigger. Now notice what Jesus says. Look at what comes next. He's going to explain himself. For he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. Now what does this tell us about progression? Well, notice what it tells us about hearing. Take heed what you hear. He said, to him that has. That word there in the Greek means to possess. It means to have in your control. To receive. Now, listen. What does it mean to hear in Jesus' eyes? It means to listen so that you can receive and make it your own. To receive God's word, to listen to it, is to appropriate it and make it yours. So you receive the seed of God's word and it goes straight down into your heart with no hindrances. And now Jesus says that person has. And he says this. If you have, if you have received God's word and appropriated it as your own, what will happen? God will pour more on you. Now again, this is just obvious. This is how we, we do our lives every day. When we start as young people, we have to learn arithmetic. If we can't learn arithmetic, how could we move on to algebra? Once we understand arithmetic and we understand algebra, then we can move on to geometry. We can move on to trigonometry. We can move on to calculus. It wouldn't make any sense for someone who has not measured arithmetic to expect to be able to move on to algebra, much less to trigonometry and calculus. And God says, you receive the light that I give you 
You receive the seeds that I sow in your heart, and you can expect that I'm going to give more. Isn't this true of you? Every one of you who went out and, and watered your garden this week, you went out to a plant, and you sprayed water on it, or you poured water on it, and the water went into that thirsty soil, and it still looked like it was dry. It received every drop of water that you brought in. What did you do? Oh, okay, I'm going to give it a little more. It's receptive. I'm going to pour more on it. And in the same way, God responds in reciprocity to those who hear his word and embrace his word by receiving it into the soil of their heart. And God says, here's more. Why? Because God's a God of grace. He delights in shining his light on those who humbly and obediently receive it and take ownership of it in their own life. Well, what's the flip side? Notice what he says. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. And you say, that sounds cruel. That sounds mean. Go back to the parable of the sowers. I was talking to Kelvin Todd about this passage. He had this wonderful insight into it. It's so true. Go back to the parable of the sower. What happened to the seed that fell on, by the wayside and never was received into the ground? What happened to it? The bird came and ate it up. What happened to that seed that was sitting there on the ground? It was taken away. What happened to the seed that went into the rocky soil that only had a little bit of topsoil? What happened to that? Oh, it, sprang, it, it went down and it sprang up, but it had no depth. It had no root. And what happened? It died. It was taken away. There's nothing there. No life. No fruit. What happened to the seed that received it on good ground? that had produced 30, 60-fold, 100-fold, it got more. It multiplied in its fruitfulness and in its profit. And this is simply what Jesus is saying the kingdom law for listeners is. You bring this much and God fills it up. And then he'll keep on filling it as long as you're ready to keep on using it. You've heard the phrase, use it or lose it. And it's true for all of us who have ever lifted weights. You do something. I remember in February, I was doing, um, my, my brothers-in-law challenged me to do 100 push-up a day contest. We had to do 100 push-ups every day other than Sunday. I cannot tell you for that first week, if you saw me at a Sunday in February and I went to drink water and I kind of did this, you'll know why. You, you'll remember why. What happened after we had been doing it for a week and two weeks and three weeks and four weeks? Do you know it was amazing how much easier push-ups got? And there are some of us here, you haven't lifted weights in, in a decade. You haven't done a sit-up or a push-up. You can't even imagine doing that now. Why? Use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. You use the light you receive, and God graciously delights in pouring out more. And you do nothing with it. You let it sit on the topsoil of your heart, and it's going to be taken away. Think again for those of you who went out to, go to, to water your flowers this week. Did you use the precious resource of your water on the garden where it would be received into the soil and bring fruit? Or did you put it on the cement where it will never be received and it will never do any profit? Of course you used it on the garden where the soil is. And God says, I'm the same way. When you come with a readiness to receive my word, I will pour out as much of my life-giving word as you, can, as you can care to receive. 
But if you come to me like concrete, if you come to me with a hard heart that doesn't care to receive my word, don't expect anything in response. Don't expect my light to be shined on you. There's a kingdom light. It is God's word, the mysteries of the kingdom that have been revealed to us in the word of God. There's a kingdom law that the size of what you receive from God in his word is the size that you bring in humble and obedient and attentive listening to him in the first place. And that leads finally to what I'm going to call kingdom logic. Kingdom logic. How does this make sense? And what does this mean for us? Now, I suspect that in our day and age today, we have an idea of this kind of exchange, of a trade between man and God. We call that grace. We rightly focus on grace in our modern church today. And what a wonderful thing God's grace is in the salvation of our soul. There's a trade. We come to God with dirty, dirty sin-stained garments, and God trades us. He takes our dirty clothes in Jesus, and he gives us spotless clothes of his righteousness. We come to him with our filthy rags of our own righteousness, and we say, I'm done with my own righteousness. Here it is. And Jesus says, I'll give you my perfectly clean, spotless righteousness. That's grace. God gives you things you don't deserve. But friends, does your theology have a place for this kind of exchange? The exchange of reciprocity. Is your God the God of the Bible who, yes, is thrilled to overflow to you in what you do not deserve, but also is, has a law that what you receive from him ultimately in spiritual profit is consistent with the size of what you bring to him? Is that your God? Is that the way you live your spiritual life? You see, the Bible's full of this. And it is summed up so wonderfully in Hebrews 11, the, 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 the chapter that focuses on the instrument of receiving God's grace. By grace, Ephesians 2 says, are ye saved through what? Faith, do you want God's grace? Do you want it to profit you? Do you want it to make you fruitful and multiply in your spiritual life? It comes through one instrument, the instrument of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Now friend, what happens every time you come to God with your measuring bowl? And you say, God, I'm ready to receive something from you today. What are you doing? You're believing that he exists. You're believing that if you listen up to this sermon today, there's a God in heaven who is real, and he'll pour out some truth on you. You must believe that he exists, but you also must believe something else. You must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What is that? It's faith. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. How? Because Cain just brought the fruit of the ground. 
There wasn't any problem with him bringing the fruit of the ground. God shows us in the Old Testament he welcomed sacrifices that were based on plants. What was the difference? The Bible tells us that, that Abel brought the firstlings of his flock, the very first, the most precious without any guarantee that he'd get any more. And not only that, he brought the fat, the most valuable part. Abel brought to God and says, God, here it is. You know what Abel did? He brought this much. And he said, God, here's my offering. And God says, you know what? That pleases me. Because you believe that I exist and you believe that I'm a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And friend, it always is the same way. It's not a response of duty, it's a response of faith by those of us who come to hear God's word, whether it's preached in this place or whether it's in our closets as we read the word of God or wherever you receive the truth of God. This truth is there. It's a response of faith. It is to say, God, I know that the extent to which I come to you with a measuring bowl, you're going to fill it up that much. And you tell me that if I keep coming like that, you're going to give me more. So here's my measuring bowl. Fill it up. You know, friend, that leads to just one very simple question today. How big's your measuring bowl? How big is your measuring bowl? How big is your measuring bowl as you sit here today in this service? Do you know how big your measuring bowl will be? It'll be decided. You and I both know it. We've both sat through sermons many times before. You and I both know what will de de determine that. Part of it will be determined how early I got to bed last night and whether I'm trying to nod off to sleep the whole time. Part of it will depend on whether this device is distracting me during the sermon. Part of it will depend on how much I am allowing my mind to drift off to what I'm going to eat for lunch today or what sporting event is on this afternoon or what kind of work I'm going to get to this week. You and I both know it. And when we come to God in this sermon, when the word of God is preached with something this small in our attention, in our focus, in our humility and willingness to receive whatever the truth is presented and apply it to our lives, don't be surprised when you get nothing. And you go away just like you were. And on the flip side, when you come to the preaching of God's word with a fully open mind and a fully open heart, not only that, you leave from here and you spend some time meditating on what was preached today to make sure that it gets into your heart, to make sure that it's own, your own, to make sure that it gets applied to your life. You don't immediately run off and have the birds come and eat up the seed that was sown this morning. You should expect by faith God to take the measure that you've given to him this morning and to fill up your bowl to the same amount. Friends, this is true of our Bible readings. Sometimes we wonder, why don't I get more out of my Bible reading? I don't seem always to understand it. It seems dry. It seems empty to me. Friend, what measuring bowl are you bringing Jesus says when we go to spend time with God, this in prayer, but generally in communion with God, close the door. Go into your prayer closet and close the door. Why does he say that? Because if we're going to commune with God, we need to shut out other things. We need to close the door of our mind. We need to close the door of our 
focus, we need to say, I'm all yours, God. I'm coming with as big a measuring bowl as I have this morning. Fill me up. Fill me up from your word. Fill me up by your truth. And you could go down the line over and over again so practically and you would be able to measure how much you bring to God in your attention and your listening and your hearing and your applying and be able to know confidently how much God is going to return to you. Now, two things, friends. Two things. This is a challenge to us, but it's also a comfort. It's a challenge to us because you and I both know that there are times in our lives we bring God this much, if that at all, when we come to the receiving of God's word. It's a challenge to you tomorrow morning when you get on your knees, when you open your Bible, when you spend time with God, the first one of the first thoughts in your mind should be this, God, how big's my bowl this morning? How big? When you come the next time to hear the word of God preached, the, the question that you should be sitting there and thinking about in your pews is, God, how big's my bowl this morning? When you sing the hymns and worship corporately together, you should be asking, how big's my bowl to see you and receive you in, this, in these songs that we're singing this morning? How big's your bowl? It's a challenge. But friends, I love this. It's also a comfort. Because some of you say this morning, I always feel like I only have this much. I only feel like I have this bowl. I don't, see, I don't understand it very often. I read the Bible and it seems like it's going right over my head. I hear the sermon preached and I, I sometimes even have a hard time understanding that. I must be hopeless. This is all I look forward to is this much measure from God. No, friends, did you hear what Jesus said? He said, unto him that hears shall more be given. What's the point? Bring as much as you have. You say, I don't understand the word of God very much. Bring as much as you have. And when you receive it humbly by faith, God will give you more. How much will you hear? We're all hearing something right now. How much will you hear? You'll hear and receive, and God will be willing to give you more and more so that your bowl grows. Friends, it's simple today. There's a kingdom law. It's a kingdom law for everyone who will listen. It's the law that says there's light that has been revealed, and it's available to be received by us. It's the law that says the bowl, the measuring bowl that you bring to God is the same one that he'll fill up for your understanding and reception of truth. And it's the law that says when you use the truth that God gives you to receive, he will graciously and glad, gladly pour out more and your bowl will grow bigger and bigger and bigger. Remember what Jesus said this morning. Take heed what you hear. I pray that this kingdom law will be your law today and always. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. It was not brought to be put under a bushel. It was not brought to be put under a basket. It was brought to be put on a candlestick. And so, Father, 
I pray today that this kingdom law would be real to our hearts and minds. How big is our bowl? Oh, I pray, Father, for the one that came here today with a very small bowl, but maybe their eyes and ears have been opened and they are seeing that your light in a new way. I pray for even one person here today who's never embraced the truth about Jesus. They have never embraced him as their Lord and Savior. They have never bowed the knee before him as the king in the kingdom of God. I pray that today would be the day they hear with new ears. Today would be the day that they enter the kingdom of God by faith.